Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro to how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I'm joined by my guest, Lubna Ali. Lovna, better known as Lexi, is a radiology professional, educator, and founder of the prominent healthcare educational organization, MRI Buzz LLC, an online educational institution dedicated to free MRI, radiology, and continuing medical education in a remote setting. Lexi is multi-credentialed in radiography and MRI holding over two degrees with an additional background in pre-medicine from Loyola University in Chicago and University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. While in the field, Lexi authored many articles endorsing her colleagues and her dear friends, various educational programs and symposiums, such as those presented by Tobias Glick, Dr. Laura Vasquez, PhD, Dr. Catherine Westbrook, EDMCDCR, Dr. John Talbot, Dr. Frank Schellick, and many more. In addition to being a medical imaging specialist and educator, Lexi co-owns MRI Buzz LLC with her close friend, Matt Redder. She is also an avid MR safety advocate and speaker and hosts her own web series, Let's Talk MR Safety with Lexi, on multiple social media channels. She's passionate about her cause for safer medical imaging care, especially after the renowned Columbine incident where an oxygen cylinder was incompatible and unsafe for the magnetic resonance imaging room contributing to a pediatric fatality. At the moment, Lexi continues to speak on MR safety radiology issues at a healthcare conference and symposium in addition to taking in consults for any MR safety specific talks. She is also the author of pending academic papers and assists notable healthcare colleagues with special papers present in presentations. She is also pursuing higher academic prospects at UW Milwaukee. Hello and welcome. Hey, I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, I was thinking about uh, how we met. And so you know Anna, if I'm not mistaken. I think we uh, uh, we met like, you know, uh, through uh, our common friend, Anna Maria Ruiz. Uh, she's a nurse and, you know, she trademarked this uh, statement, what color am I when I save your life? Uh, so that got viral when she was at the protest, you know, uh, for George Floyd and all. Uh, and Brianna Jenkins and uh, Brianna Taylor. Sorry, I'm so sorry. 
Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, and she was at those protests. And uh, she had this uh, placard that said, what color am I when I save your life? And that got viral. So I befriended her and she was very friendly. And um, the, we hit it off right away on Instagram. We started DMing each other. And then she had this podcast with you. And uh, uh, when she had this podcast with you, I reached out to you uh, uh, saying that, oh, I love this podcast, that podcast a lot. I started listening to all those other podcasts of yours uh, with people of color, with uh, uh, people of uh, LGBTQ, uh, you know, um, um, and talking about a lot of uh, different issues, you know, with regards to uh, racism, uh, ableism, um, you know, all, all the stigma, women empowerment, gender bias, and uh, also, you know, the voting, all of the different issues that I talked about. So that really touched me and that was really inspirational to me. And then I reached out to you and I started saying that, oh, I mean, I would be honored if you follow me because I really love your post and have so many other followers. So, you know, all those other, your posts get nested in them. So if you follow me specifically, I can get notifications about your uh, podcast and everything through the Instagram feature called Stories. Um, so whenever a follower posts a story, you know, it actually gives me a notification on my dashboard. So that's how we started uh, getting to know each other. And then I started sharing your podcast uh, through my writing skills on my own Instagram. Um, and um, I, I know that the, we are mostly a healthcare and, and educational organization, but we also do talk about a lot of, you know, significant issues, matters that need to be talked about, which is uh, or racism, uh, uh, you know, that is so um, rampant and needs to be talked about. Uh, that, um, uh, you know, issues that affect people of color, um, the fact that white privilege is so real as we have seen in the century, um, and currently with all the issues that's been going on. Uh, so I think that's how we met. And now uh, there were a lot of, uh, there were some days that I did a lot of goofy uh, videos and all. Like, we, uh, like I was inspired by you. And I was talking about, you know, how we need to be, as women, we need to be bigger than our skirt and all of that. And we used to joke around and all of that. And I think that's how we met. We still have to meet in person uh, as soon as the pandemic comes or whenever you are ready or whenever it's safe for us to do so. And um, I would be honored to meet you in person too. I would make a trip to Texas. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually yeah. make yeah, but uh, right now I think we know each other uh, uh, online, uh, you know, um, through um, uh, having the same thought, common thoughts as, uh, um, as people of color, as um, women, as, you know, trying to make a space in this world that's mostly male-dominated. I know because my industry is male-dominated, the healthcare community, and I have had to struggle a lot to make my place here. Uh, but yeah, that's how we know each other. Yeah. And you know, before we recorded, we started talking about, you know, how the pandemic has been affecting a lot of things, specifically for people who are hard of hearing and deaf. Um, I'm the co-director for New Leaders Council here in Austin. And so we're going to stay online for this coming year. And, you know, your posts have been you know, reminding me of how we have to make things more accessible. Um, we want people who are, are, you know, who are disabled or differently abled or who are hard of hearing and deaf to be able to participate. And so we've been talking about making sure everything is closed captions, making sure we can offer an interpreter. Um, so lately, you know, seeing your stuff of, you know, you know, knowing what you, you went through when you lost your hearing, um, how you had to adapt because, you know, hearing aids weren't what they are now um, when you were growing yeah. up and lost your hearing. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of also want to start there of like, what has been 
um, a big thing that, you know, has really shifted in your life since the pandemic um, has kind of taken effect um, between you having your online series and also being in the medical field? Yeah, so um, so when, when it comes to um, um, the deaf and hard of hearing, the first thing that I would actually want to talk about and highlight this point is like, you know, people really focus on the physical aspects uh, of how you look, you know, people, I mean, even today, even as we are in 2020, we can see that people, um, you know, make assumptions for judgments based on the color of your skin, based on how you look. And, you know, that's one thing. Uh, and that's why I think my grandma, my grandpa, and my grand, uh, most importantly, my grandfather who recently passed away, he has been a huge influence in my life and all. And um, uh, also um, uh, it's because of him I'm where I am um, when it comes to education and, um, um, the, and my career. Uh, my, my grandfather was way ahead of his time, you know, and uh, he was all for, you know, girl education, um, women empowerment that, you know, women should do something like they should have a career of their own. Um, and I mean, now, and my, now my, my grandpa's from the 60s, 50s, you know, those times, you know, uh, all men thought about was, you know, women need to just sit at home and cook and just, you know, um, do laundry, stay at home, be homemakers. Uh, that's what the uh, basic uh, con uh, thought, you know, mental process, the consciousness of men uh, were at that time. But my grandfather was, you know, way ahead of his time. He was all for girl education. He wanted women to work. And uh, all of my, my, my mama, my aunts and everybody, all of us worked. You know, we have our own careers. Uh, some of us are in healthcare, some of us are not in healthcare, but we all have our own careers. And my grandfather wanted me to always work. And he was not uh, uh, one uh, for, you know, uh, just like girls have to just get married as soon as they come of age and uh, just sit at home and care for their husband. My grandfather was not for that. Um, but my grandfather did stress upon one thing to me was that, you know, he cannot really change perspective of the world. You know, the world, he cannot change that perspective. But what he can tell me is, is that, you know, I need to present myself in such a way that, you know, the world does not give me any reasons to attack me. Uh, attack me. Because also because, uh, you know, I am, uh, I identify myself as a hard of hearing person, as a deaf hard of hearing person. So um, um, that the thing that my grandfather said was, you know, I should always make, my, make myself look presentable, you know, be in makeup and be well-dressed and all of that so people don't give a chance to attack, uh, attack me. Uh, and that stuck with me and that is so true because, you know, in today's world, people really, really are obsessed with how you look. So when it comes to the deaf and the hard of hearing, some, some of us wear hearing aids, some of us do not wear hearing aids. And, you know, of the people whose hearing aids are visible, you know, what happens is that there is an automatic judgment from a casual ableism from people, even though they, are, they may be very progressive, they may be very broad-minded and not narrow-minded. But what happens is that it just happens. It's just, I think it's human reaction. They automatically start assuming stuff about you, they automatically make judgments, snap judgments at the moment. First, one of the things that they do is they yell. If you're far away from them, they yell and yell and keep yelling just to divert your attention to them, you know, because they may have some work for you or something like that, or they may want to talk to you. Then the ethical thing to do is you actually go up to a deaf and hard of hearing person and slap them lightly, uh, you know, to divert your attention to them. And, you know, it also happens in job interviews or, you know, or, 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 
if you are just want an order for a coffee, if you are at a coffee shop, by, by coffee store by yourself, you just want to order something and the waiter comes up to you, he sees you're hearing it and he just automatically assumes he has to yell at you. And he's like, ma'am, do you want something really loudly? And then all the other people are looking at you. It's an embarrassing social situation for the deaf and hard of hearing. And it's doubly embarrassing for, you know, people of color because, you know, automatically it assumes in the first world countries like the United States or UK or anywhere where there's a lot of white and Caucasian people, there's an automatic assumption that, you know, just because you're a people of person of color and also deaf and hard of hearing, you don't speak the English language. So, you know, people try to automatically break down words as if you're speaking to a five-year-old child and they think that you do not know the English language when, when people are like, oh, I was born here, you know, so I, have, I don't even know the, the language that my grandparents spoke. I know the English language, so you don't really have to think like that. And uh, there's also, you know, there's something like people uh, also sometimes, some people, a very small fraction of people also make this assumption that, you know, just because you are um, um, deaf or hard of hearing or you have some kind of physical disability, um, you're also uh, not of the sound mind or something like that. They think that, you know, you, there's some kind of uh, dumbness. You know, they think that you're dumb. They don't, you, that you don't understand certain things. They, so, you know, they try to make hand gestures or they try to sign or they do, they do some things, you know, as if you're explaining to a five-year-old child, you know. And uh, and we are like a fraction of us uh, who are deaf and hard of hearing. We are... We, have jobs, you know, we have gone to school, you know, we have degrees, you know, we have families, we are married, we have kids and all. We do all of the same things that you do. It's just a different thing is that we take a little bit more time to hear, uh, you know, we need a little bit of more accommodation to understand because, you know, not everybody has access to hearing aids, first of all, and not everybody's hearing aids are also equipped to hear good. That's another thing. Third, some people don't hear you hearing it at all and prefer to sign because they don't like to speak because they have not had speech therapy or uh, they just don't like to speak because they just hear that that's the language. Sign language is a language of its own, you know, mm -hmm. and not many people understand that because it's not really universal as much, you know. Today we have, yeah, today we have so many languages. We have Spanish, we have... Um, uh, we have Hindi, we have Urdu, we have Arabic, we have so many different languages and people understand that, yes. But also, even though people understand these different languages, even for those people that speak different languages, there's racism and ableism directed at them. Uh, because uh, automatically, because you do not speak the English language, the fancy English language, you know, uh, you're not intelligent, you're not, uh, uh, you do not have good education, you're from some third world country. That's not true at all. You know, uh, even today, co colleges speak of diversity, employers speak of diversity, they speak, they say that, way, oh, you need to know so many languages, you have so much experience, but not everybody looks at it that way, you know. And sometimes there's also salary, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, like income uh, disparities between uh, people of color who speak different languages and people than, uh, than by people who speak English. Like, you know, some of us earn lower because, you know, there's automatically some automatic assumption that by people who speak English, you know, they are better qualified, more educated and more experienced and all of that. So that's directed. So now, now imagine um, deaf and hard of hearing person with who knows only sign language and uh, you know does not really speak in English, does not really speak in any other language, and he comes in for the same job interview, same opportunity, same career opportunity. Imagine what kind of disparity he's facing, he or she is facing, because he speaks only sign languages, and you know some, most companies or most even some sections of healthcare institutions. And I have to tell you this: I have not personally seen in the healthcare setting, and it's shocking 
how uh, um, you know we have spent four to five years in medical school and none of us knew sign language or even are aware of the existence of sign language. There are doctors who do not know sign language and we have had deaf patients and there were no interpreters available. They were even in big hospitals, they were not available or they didn't have time or there was something going on. You know, so uh, imagine in, uh, in, such a, in such an environment and I would say that such an environment is indeed toxic for people who of a disability, people who are deaf and hard of hearing. They come in for a job interview and uh, um, there's no ASL interpreter available. There's no sign language interpreter available. The interviewer doesn't speak sign language and he's very qualified. He has, he's, he's gone to Harvard. He has obtained his educational degree. He has done everything. He, uh, he has worked twice as hard as it needs to be made his. The only difference was he does not speak in language other than sign language. So you, know, so you tell me, does he get the job or no? You know, so that's where the problem is. So I, I think, you know, um, I, I, as advanced as our country is in terms of, you know, um, the standard of living, you know, the, we have better water here. We have access to good produce, good food, and all of that. Compared to third world countries, they do not have drinking water. Um, they do not have education. Uh, children don't go to school there. And, um, uh, you know, they don't have good food and all. People fall sick just because of eating maybe a bad apple or something like that. But compared to that, in first world countries, we have, you know, access to good drinking water, good uh, fresh produce. The children do go to school regardless of, uh, you know, of the poverty line. Maybe some children by conscious or family problems or some kind of social situation that, that they are stuck in do not go to school. But majority of them still go to school in some way to have some uh, access to education. When compared to India, when you go there, you see children as young as three years old begging on the street. And you know, there's no uh, step system, no social system set up there to um, have those people actually go to school compared to the United States, uh, their system set up there. Like if uh, people notice that there's some uh, three-year-old or four, five-year-old child begging on the streets, you know, uh, there's some sort of social system set up here to actually have them go to school, place them in good families and all of that. But that's not, the, uh, that's not there in third world countries. So uh, what I'm trying to say is that as uh, much as advanced as our country is this the, the system is still broken this you know it's still set up against people uh, people of color people uh, again, uh, of disabilities we still have a lot of work to do as we have evidently seen in the you know recent incidents with um, the deaths of uh, George Floyd Breonna Taylor and all it's uh, really sad and um, it's heartbreaking and I have actually spoken about it um, through my platform even though mine is more of a um, healthcare and educational uh, platform and it's directed against only education. And we actually spoke about it and we actually talked about, well, this, this was wrong, this shouldn't be happening in 2020, but it's still happening. And uh, the system is set up against, uh, so well, people of uh, color, people of disabilities. Um, so there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And, um, and I'm actually trying to think like, you know, this, you, you, set up so much money, you, you reserve so much money for, you know, sports, for NBA, uh, for, um, you know, NFL, for all of those um, um, uh, entertainment, and to set up so much money aside for those, all those fancy stuff and all of that. Why do you not set up certain, certain amount of money, uh, you know, uh, that's, that can help people of disabilities obtain the same opportunities as, uh, well, you know, people who do not have disabilities, you know, or, or, or for people of color, you know, why don't you set up the, the same amount of money for them? Because, you know, um, compared to 
um, you know, the white Americans or um, Caucasian com community, there are that there's income disparity. You know, um, you know, they earn higher, we earn, uh, 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 we do not earn as much, you know. Some of us do, some of us do earn higher than them. I'm not saying all of that, but there's also, uh, you know, it's just set up against that. So I'm saying, you know, we need to reserve some, you know, some kind of resources, some money, some set aside, set aside some money so people can have, you know, what is actually known as inclusion, you know, that, you know, actually inclusion actually comes into existence. We have been talking about all of this for so long. Uh, we have been trying to change laws. We've been trying to do so much work and all of that, but it's not really coming uh, into play as fast as it is for, you know, people who are, who are not disabled, people people who are not of, um, uh, I mean, of color. So it's not coming uh, as fast into play for them. So, and I think uh, one of the fundamental things I have learned from my grandfather, other than the fact that you have to look yourself, make yourself uh, presentable in today's world, um, is that, you know, money speaks. And I think that's true, money talks, you know, and uh, as long as I think there's, real, um, you know, governmental organizations or any kind of organizations responsible, you know, for creating opportunities for people of uh, disabilities, people of color, if they set aside money for us, and I think we'll actually see some real difference there, you know. Um, we can get in interpreters in place in the healthcare institutions. We can, um, you know, actually have, uh, we can actually see, you know, uh, no more income disparities, you know, between people of color and uh, people who are, who are not of color, the white Americans, the Caucasian. Um, so that's where my thoughts are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if we, you know, making things accessible and, and affordable, right, like you're saying, like making sure things are equitable, of even if we were able to give everyone the same amount of something, are we making it accessible? And I think that's what sets things being equitable and things being equal aside. Um, I also... Um, wanted to talk a little bit about um, like what was it like for you going through medical school as being someone who is deaf and hard of hearing like you're saying you know the example you gave of you know all these people who have this ed these edu this educational background um, and, are and are able to do their job like did you feel like you had to fight more for yourself that, you know, were you given the chance to have interpreters? Was it just a lot of, you know, you reading lips? Cause you know, you, you mentioned before we started recording that you still were, you still got really good grades. Like you did very well in school. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit of that experience of, you know, everything you had to go through to get to where you are now. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, my time for medical school was, you know, I mean, um, um, I would actually want to really uh, give our the audience viewers a little bit of more historical background. I want to go way back, even more before medical school or college or something like that. So I lost my hearing around 2006 to 2005 to 2006. So that was a very long time ago. So um, like I said, like I told you before, um, so when I lost my hearing, I was only 11 years old. And at that time, science, or I think medical medicine was not as advanced as it is now. So there was really no cause identified for, you know, um, my um, sudden hearing loss in the right ear and then in the left ear. And at that time, you know, there were bigger hearing aids. We had bigger visible hearing aids. And when I lost my hearing, I already had my speech intact so because um, I, I was not born deaf. So uh, I did not have to go through a lot of speech therapy, but I had to relearn how to hear. And um, uh, at that, uh, and bear in mind, at that time, I had very visible hearing aids. I had like behind the hear hearing aids, 
and uh, that was very visible but i would wear my pony ponytails and like pigtails or whatever it would be very visible and that would make me <laughs> conscious you know because suddenly all my friends are seeing me with hearing it and i never used to have hearing it so they suddenly seeing me with that and adding to that is the fact that i had to l- learn relearn how to hear words as simple as banana you know had to relearn how, how to hear that and at that uh, point I, i don't think the system had uh, you know a lot of uh, interpreters like asl interpreters or the card system you know which is what you know deaf and hard of hearing people use it's like a real life translation on the laptops when it comes to lectures they see that play out but we didn't have a lot of that so i had to work twice as hard as my peers to well, uh, to relearn and hear and i had to like you know really be focused and read the in uh, read the teachers lips and everything to actually hear the lectures well they did give me some accommodations as in they gave me notes the, the students would give me notes or the teachers would give me advanced notes and all of that i didn't have that but you know uh, at the end of the day day to day social situation uh, i had to struggled twice as hard to hear them because nobody knew asl and i was not in an all deaf school i was in a hearing school and i think i was the only one that was deaf there so you know um, um so i would be very tired at the end of the day when i would get back home because uh, of all the hearing fatigue the auditory fatigue that i would uh, uh, face i would be very tired because i was struggling to hear and listen and listen and um, uh, so it it would be like that and it went on till high school and then uh, four years of uh, college too and then when it came to medical school by that time i think um, uh, i mean we had uh, the system was advanced and if we started having cot and uh, there was like you know the, the um, lectures were there was a live translation so you not have to struggle to hear the lecture i could just see, see all the interpreter translate everything so um, and i had advanced notes anyways Uh, so i breezed through that also mean main part because of my analytic <laughs> memory my photographic memory uh, so um, um i think I'm, that's what got through me through medical school um the social situations were still hard though the clinic the, i mean especially i had to go through three clinical rotations at three different hospitals and um uh, i was using public transportation because you know there's no way i can drive to uh, to three different hospitals in a relatively short amount of time given the chicago in chicago's traffic So I would be using public transportation and go to uh, three different uh, hospitals for my clinical rotations. And uh, even there, I was the only person that was deaf. So, uh, uh, well, I had some um, uh, managers, some uh, like you know, su- um, supervising physicians, supervising attending that were understanding. Some that were not so patient, you know. And I still had to be respectful and um, kind of be tactful and diplomatic with them. And so it was exhausting trying to navigate myself and make my way. into you know um and just uh, get my medical degree and just um uh, you know uh, find my way in the healthcare setting because um uh, in my in every one of my graduating class i was the only one that was there it like you know maybe there were other people that were deaf within the entire school college system but in my graduate graduating class i was the only one that was there so uh, uh, you know i had to really uh, struggle um and uh, also i was a person of color but they, i did have one distinct advantage though i was light skinned i'm light skinned so uh, that's one uh, that's one thing you know when people of color um when they are light skinned they are passing and i would i would not say i'm completely passing but the, you know they, like i told you the world is actually uh, biased and uh, uh, when you really look when you really don't 
exactly are really not tanned or um, really don't look completely like a person of color. The system is not that much, you know, um, system is more accommodating, I would say. And I'm sad that it's happening, but it, I would, because, I, because I'm light-skinned, I think I got, I think I just got a little bit of more um, privilege from that. But um, compared to that, I have seen other people of color, um, my friends, you know, my Latino friends, my Mexican friends, um, my African-American friends and all of that, they have had to struggle a lot. And I had to struggle a lot as a, a person with disability. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to show, I'm trying to actually point to, to the fact that when a person with disability, when it actually, when he or she actually looks like the society expects them to look, you know, it's easy for them. When you don't look the way the society wants you to look and you are a person of disability, you have to, it's kind of like a war out there. You have to actually like fight your way through everything and to get the same opportunities as a white, as a white person who's not a person of color, or who's not disabled, you know, you have to struggle twice as hard. Um, so I've seen that uh, play out in uh, um, uh, all of my years at medical school, um, in clinical rotation, um, um, in elementary school, in high school, in um, uh, college, junior college, and all of that. So um, as, uh, as much as advanced education system or healthcare system now is, uh, we have a lot of work cut out, you know, when it comes to actually dealing the ethics of how to deal with people of color, with people of disabilities, to set up accommodations for them. We, uh, we, it, uh, we have a lot of work to do. It also actually think, you know, it plays out in personal relationships too. Um, you know, when it comes to like, you know, when it comes to dating and marriage for uh, people of color or people of disabilities and all of that, it's a little bit different um, because, you know, automatically like, you know, um, uh, this uh, the attraction the attraction system for you know white people is a little bit different for people of color you know you, you automatically see something that's uh, uh, light skin that's white and um, you know has you know different blue uh, blue eyes or green eyes and all of that and you automatically see that oh that that is what that that defines beauty you know for for a small section of society for a small fraction of society it's some uh, uh, it's that that's how they define beauty but for but I would say a very uh, good part of society is also that they also see people of color as beautiful. But, you know, this, but it's still, um, I would still say, you know, the system is a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of a bias uh, for people of color and people of disabilities when you don't look like the society wants you to. Yeah, I just, it's like the more marginalized you go, the less opportunity yes. you're given. And so like hearing that of like, you know, you are, a woman who was also a person of color, who was deaf and hard of hearing um, and had to, you know, all you had to overcome so much just to get the opportunity yeah. to do something that you're really good at. Whereas someone who was white, not deaf, who was a man probably didn't have to go through half of the stuff that you went through. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, it's very marginalized out there in terms of, you know, income, in terms of education, in terms of career opportunities, in terms of even dating or marriage, or I would say like it's kind of very marginalized out there for people of color, for people of disabilities, uh, because, you know, this because people make snap judgments based on how you look. People make snap judgments based on your abilities and all of that. They do not see, you know, you have had how much you have had to struggle or how you can have the biggest degree even from Harvard or Stanford and everything. You still have, you still have to struggle. I mean, 
if you really want to take an example and look at this please look at stephen hawking you know how much he had to struggle, struggle after you know um, the, his uh, motor neuron disease and um, he had a struggle so much you know with his uh, um, base in the um, medical physics and the physics community in the scientific community um, with black holes theory and all of that imagine how much had, how much he had had to do and uh, and but he did do something uh, but i would say I, I i do not want to i really respect him i do not want to speak for him but i would say i can understand if uh, he had had to struggle a lot to get to where he is to actually have a place a name a voice in the healthcare community you know there's so many talented people out there and i have seen so many talented people that many of my peers more talented than me more experienced than me you know the african more uh, african americans the latinas the mexicans the hispanics everybody more talented than me and i have had i have seen them in the clinical and healthcare settings um i have seen that their voices being shut down they have had opinion when it comes to patient care or when it comes to you know um anything you know uh in terms of you know what goes on in the um, healthcare community like we have like currently we have had a pandemic situation going on and we have hospitals are trying to find solutions you know for ppe for you know how you know how to shift the focus to covid patients and what to do with the regular patients and all of that and i think there are a lot of people talented people people more educated than me people with more experience than me people who have have had degrees from uh, educational institutions that are ivy league you know um than me they have had opinions on how to handle the covid pandemic crisis that's been going on and they have had their voices shut down because you know they don't fit the uh, the uh, mold the, the way the society wants them to look yeah i mean i just you know i i think about also the representation of of deaf and hard of hearing people in the media cuz you don't see it too often and one of the first shows i ever saw on tv was the show switched at birth that had yes. one of the main yes. characters um who was deaf who went to um yes. uh deaf and hard of hearing school oh yeah erotic <laughs> she was also going for medicine uh, in the show yeah pre med right. um so i think about that like just the representation behind what that show that tv show can show for you know young people older people who are deaf and hard of hearing who sometimes may feel like hey i don't see myself in these spaces so is this space for me and i and i think about that for people of color all the time i mean me growing up having representation on tv was really important and so i, I often think about that in the representation so like is there anyone that you kind of saw yourself in on t- like when you were growing up or you know that you kind of felt like this could be a a thing for me even on the tough days when you were just like it's it's really hard how do i keep going like where can i get the kind of boost um kind of where you found your strength that, to not get annoyed and frustrated with the systems in place that were basically just not created for you yeah so okay so what are the things that uh, i would want to point out about switched at birth is first of all great show and uh, another thing is i actually would want to say you know that show was an actually a very accurate representation of the struggles deaf and hard of hearing people actually face 
it was a very uh, it was a very factual actual representation and i love kitty leclerc i love manasa marano i love um, you know um, mali metlan i love all of them they did a phenomenal job you know acting and portraying um, um, deaf and hard of hearing uh, people and i believe mali metlan is also deaf and hard of hearing and she actually won an oscar for one of her performances she's at, uh, uh, and kitty leclerc i think she's hard of hearing um, um, and they all know sign language and uh, the struggles that they have uh, put uh, in the show that was very uh, factual um, but i would also want to point out one thing dasmin as a deaf uh, as a completely deaf uh, woman in the show speaking sign language in in, in, in entirety with also um, knowing the english language the uh, i mean spoken english language that is that, that she speaks i would say i would have to point out one thing that she is a white deaf woman yeah so that's what what i was trying to say so you know that uh, you know the system is a little bit marginalized for her you know i mean like the system is for her because she is a white deaf um, um, woman and so she will have i think there's a little bit of white privilege that she gets to enjoy and she will have a little bit of more opportunities in terms of education income um career opportunities dating marriage what do you name it you know she is she 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 may have more opportunities in terms of that because uh, she looks the way society wants her to look white blonde blue eyes uh, you know american all and all so you know um i think for a, a lot of things that were pointed out in, in the show like you know um that you know she gets into trouble uh, during, during her teenage years she gets into trouble uh, here and there she gets a slap on the wrist yeah i mean um she does not really get real time or face and it real time for her for 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 any of the uh, things that she do that she does she gets a little, little slap on the wrist but i think that's not really said said again people of color like that or people uh, of uh, people of color with disabilities i don't think the system is really i mean set up like that for her like when you when you are white and all i think you get to uh, you get to enjoy a certain bit of privilege you know in terms of that so i think that was one that, that one aspect of the show that i mean uh, that i found should have been a little bit highlighted a little bit more highlighted a little bit more you know that because you know daphne was a white deaf woman and i would want to see more about what happened what the representation of women people of color you know people uh, women women of color who aren't uh, deaf i wanted to see more of representation with with the guards to them because you know then people are actually aware people are work when it comes to the issues they face we face uh, because i'm also a person a woman of color so you know um, i would want to see more representation in terms of that um, you know so people actually can uh, see and realize you know that uh, you know the system is a little bit they the system is a little bit set against there's a little bit of disparities for women of color with disabilities compared to white women with disabilities you know so that's one thing that i would want to uh, want hollywood what you know shows or uh, anybody that's interested in a documentary to actually you know point highlight that out um because we have all we are already speaking about racism and um ableism now we're speaking about it more than ever now so i think it's high time it's the right time i know there's a pandemic going on but you know there's so many options virtually to do it in terms of zoom or in terms of any other documentaries or something like that so we can still do it virtually uh, because now it's really the right time to speak yeah um so i would want to see more of representation for that but other than that the show was great and it actually you know uh, my family a lot of my family 
when they saw the show and all um i would say they i mean they were really happy they were like you know oh finally you know people are talking about you know deaf and hard of hearing people there's a show about that i don't know we can actually like you know uh They, like they would be a party and all and they would tell some of my um, uh, middle eastern or indian uncles uh, i mean south indian uncles uh, or aunts they would tell that you know that shows the judge that bird there's a, a, a girl there you know she's deaf and she's doing prima just like our lexi here you know kind of like that so you know so it's also good you know um so um i mean that show was uh, i mean to any of my new friends or you know or any uh, or if it's a new relationship and or any time i would always tell them you know oh you really want to know more about me please go watch the job but <laughs> i would tell that but uh, but also yes i think we need to see more of representation in terms of uh, women of color with disabilities in hollywood and entertainment arts yeah 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 i think that's a great part a great point like just more representation and actually like casting yeah. Yeah. different viewpoints i love that Um it's been great talking to you today. I will be sure to link all of your social media stuff, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram in the show notes. Um as you know, at the end of each episode I like to ask the question, what is the best advice you were ever given or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? You know, you taught me to be unapologetically myself, to be comfortable with my body, to be comfortable with how i look and all and i think it's because of you mostly you taught me to really love myself in terms of how i look the way i look and not um, how i look the way society wants me to look so you taught me to be an apologetic to myself that's it for this week's episode of the tea with brie be sure to follow us on instagram at the tea with brie send me an email at the tea with brie at gmail.com and visit the website the tea with brie podcast.com don't forget to rate review and subscribe on apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I will talk to y'all next week. Bye.